0: on the Hey everybody, this is Brother Frank, and welcome to another episode of the Remnant Call. We didn't have an episode this Friday um because I uh, wanted to have Brother Benjamin on uh for to start off Yom Kippur, which is um begins at sundown on uh, Sunday evening. These are some intense times, and we wanted to do a special uh, program this year uh, about Yom Kippur, and so with that, I'm going to bring Brother Benjamin on with me, and we're going to pray. Brother Benjamin, are you there?
1: Hey, Frank. Yeah, I'm here.
0: Hey, I know we don't have a lot of time tonight, and um, let's go ahead, and I'm going to open with a word of prayer, brother, and, and let's talk about and share what's going on right now uh, and got through God's eyes uh, in this world. It's uh, of chaos. Father, in Yeshua's holy name, we thank you for the blessings uh, of warning that Benjamin has been sharing um, for over 20, 30 years almost now, I guess, or more. And I thank you, Lord, that in 1999, you blessed uh, me uh, to meet brother Benjamin and, uh, to read that powerful book, the day of the Lord is at hand and Lord, here we are now 20 some years later and the day of the Lord truly is at hand. So Lord, I pray tonight that you would bless this program, bless brother Benjamin, myself, Lord, to simply be conduits and vessels, uh, Lord for you and, and your truths. And I pray that you would, uh, come against any principality that would try to tear down this program, Lord, and that you would surround us with your mighty warring angels and that you would bind Satan and cast him from here, Lord, that he have no place in this program tonight is my prayer in Yeshua's name. Amen.
1: Thank you, Lord. Amen. We look to you to honor. Lord, we look to you to honor your name and to honor your word. Amen. Lord, we need your help to fulfill the perfect will of God. We need your help. We need your power. So we call upon the name of the living God. Call upon the King of Kings, Jesus Christ, Yeshua, Hamashiach. Call upon our Heavenly Father. Call upon the Holy Spirit. Come. Have your way tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 On the eve. Erev Yom Kippur. Frank, it was actually, it was um, 25 years ago. Yeah, 25 years ago. In 1998. That I typed this book, The Day of the Lord is at Hand. I started typing on Passover. and I finished typing it on Pentecost, spent the summer editing it and uh, getting it typeset. This was back in the old school days where you had to actually do a huge print run. There was none of this print on demand. And on Yom Kippur in 1998, I was sitting in uh, my apartment, getting ready to go drive to the publisher's office and you know, the sun hadn't gone down yet. It was, the sun was still in the sky and the publisher was nearby and I was sitting there and I didn't have a job. My job was gone. I didn't have any money. My money was gone. I didn't really have anything except for the word of God and in this incredible book that the Holy Spirit had birthed. And and the Lord had told me he was going to provide everything for this work. And I would provide nothing And um, so I'm sitting there, Frank, and and I lift up, I had a watch on my hand. I lift my hand up and start tapping my watch. (laughs) And um, I'm like, Lord, I know you know what time it is, but I'm just reminding you that I don't have much money left to publish this book. And unless you send a bunch of money right now, um, we're only going to publish about, we'll print about 300 copies. And and then that was when the phone started ringing. I pick up the phone and it's just my friend, Dr. Ron, who actually financed the first part of getting the book typeset and everything. And Frankie says to me, your book's making me crazy. I can't get it out of my head. I'm coming over with a blank check to help you publish as many copies as you need. Frank, that was 25 years ago. Wow. half of Yovel. And so the book came out, and by the summer of 1999, which was a year of jubilee, which we'll get into, I was on national tour, and that's when we met. The next yeah. year.
0: I had started reading it in probably mid, sometime November, maybe beginning of March, right around there. And before the month was over, um, like I said, folks, I left my house strung out on meth cheating on my wife my family was up my wife was leaving me everything was over and I got delivered and saved outside of a church I didn't even know how to get saved yeah. um in one day and and um so brother man that's those are uh you know so anyways that book always will mean so much to me
1: amen mm-hmm. amen and praise God you know that book meant a lot to me too Frank and You know, I guess in a real sense, that book saved me too. You know, typing that book Mm -hmm. and, you know, giving birth to that work, you know, and um, I mean, that book came forth out of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Like I would type until the power of the spirit of God would lift off me. Then I would stand up and I would pray a big map of the world on the wall of my home office and. I would pray till the Spirit of God fell again. And then I would sit and I would type. Till the morning would lift. And then I would stand and I would pray. And then I would sit and I would type. And the Lord would have to tell me to get something to eat. And I didn't turn on a television. I I didn't make a phone call. I didn't do anything. You know, went to the store, maybe like clean my laundry once or twice a week. But other than the most basic I know chores. I did nothing but type and pray and give birth to that word. And brother, that was half a Jubilee ago. And then in 1999, you know, I got a phone call and they wanted me on national tour and I didn't want to go. (laughs) I was, I would have rather have stayed like invisible. Right. Anyway. So here we are 25 years later. I want to talk about the Jubilee, which Yom Kippur inaugurates the Jubilee, right? I mean, let's go there for just a moment. The, you know, on the 10th on the day of the 7th month, we're commanded in the book of Leviticus to sound the trumpet blast to announce the coming of the Day of Atonement. And also the Jubilee of God in which God does a reset of the relations of his people. The Jubilee, all debts are forgiven. In the year of Jubilee, all slaves are set free. In the year of Jubilee, everything that was foreclosed, everything that was taken from you is returned to you. You know, it's truly the year of redemption. It's the year of my redeemed. It's the year of our redemption. And it comes in the feast of, or the or the celebration of your Jubilee. And you know, the feast of weeks it represents the counting of 49 days. We call that the count of the Omer. And, and what follows the 49th day, and it and it begins with the you know, the Passover, following the Passover, uh, after, pardon me, following the Sabbath after the Passover. And so the 50th day is Pentecost, the day of the Holy Spirit came down. The day the Lord came down and met Moses in the mountain, same day the Holy Spirit came down and anointed the apostles. That's the same thing that's going to happen to us. You know, and is it this Yom Kippur, or might we be looking at events to be fulfilled in the spiritual calendar? Right around the corner, we shall find out. But I wanted to talk about these jubilees because, you know, I think we don't really understand the jubilee. And we don't focus on its significance for us. And I also think we don't see its central place in Bible prophecy. And by that, I want to take you guys back to the prophecy of Daniel in what's described as the prophecy of the 70 weeks. I want to talk about how the Jubilees fit into Daniel's prophecy. And I'll read to you from... Daniel 9 24, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon the holy city. I'm going to stop right there. Here's a prophecy regarding 77s. The word weeks is not actually in the Hebrew text, it's shavaim, which is 70, Sheva, 7s, which have been determined, decreed. God has fixed this by his sovereignty upon the people of Israel, and also upon the holy city of Jerusalem. So what we have here is two prophecies of 77s. One prophecy pertains to the people of Israel. The other prophecy pertains to the capital of Israel, Jerusalem, in which time transgression will be finished, sins will end. To make an end of sin, to make reconciliation for iniquity, And to bring in everlasting righteousness. Hallelujah. And to seal up the vision and the prophecy. And to anoint the most holy. The Mashiach. Kodosh Kadoshim. The most holy place anointed. And then the scripture says. Know therefore and understand from the going forth of the commandment to restore Jerusalem. Until the coming of Messiah the Prince. There shall be seven sevens and 62 sevens. The street shall be built again in the wall even in troublous times. And after the 62 sevens the Messiah shall be cut off. Okay, we've touched on this before. Those time periods represent 62 seven-year periods, which is 434 years, which includes eight jubilees that you had to add separate to get to 442 years. The compass of time from Artaxexe's commandment in the time of Nehemiah and Ezra the scribe until the birth of Jesus in the year 2 B.C. Okay. Sir Isaac Newton spent his life studying this very prophecy and his work was published by his family. in I think like 1793 in, in London, England, a few years after his death, you can buy the book and you can read Newton's words for yourself. He had concluded that Jesus was born in 2 BC on a Jubilee. And so it, in addition there's a prophecy of seven weeks seven sabbath years if you will seven uh seven year periods totaling 49 years followed again by a jubilee which would occur at the end of the age a compass of time which would lead again to a jubilee and you know Newton had a, no idea he in in his book he reasoned you know i know not how this will be fulfilled whether by the jews themselves having been regathered in the land or some foreign power, which was the case of Ezra and Nehemiah. But those are the prophecies regarding the city of Jerusalem. And what I want to share with you tonight is that the second part of this prophecy, the prophecy regarding the people of Israel. It's a prophecy regarding seven, 70, seven year periods. But in the case of Israel, the seven years are all Sabbath years.
0: Hey Benjamin, let me let me just say something to the audience that doesn't know about uh, Isaac Newton's book. Folks, it's called Observations on the Prophecies of Daniel and the Apocalypse of St John. I'm telling you, this is a must read. This is a mu- brother, when you introduced this book 20 something years ago to me, my mind was blown at Isaac Newton's work on this topic. So, just wanted to put that out there folks for you that one are interested in the book.
1: Yeah, right on. And, you know, it's kind of cool to read Newton's own work. I mean, we all know probably the smartest guy, you know, in the, in the modern era, one of the smartest guys. Post-Jesus, probably the smartest. Yeah. yeah, perhaps one of those. Yeah, exactly. I mean, on the list of smartest men ever, devout Christian devout student of scripture, you know, also mathematical genius, you know, physics. I mean, Newton created calculus. Okay, this guy's off the charts, brilliant. And here he is trying to reason through the prophecies regarding the return of the Lord because he loved Bible prophecy. And Newton understood clearly the 62 weeks was a separate period of time from the seven Now, I know all the modern teachers, most of them add the two together. Well, you know what? They make mistakes in about anything they touch. So, you know, anybody that tells you it was a 69-week prophecy from the commandment of Artaxerxes to the appearance of Jesus riding the donkey in Jerusalem, they've left out all the Jubilee counts. And they've also started from the wrong date. To force that erroneous answer. But that's the prophecy regarding Jerusalem. What I'm here to share with you tonight, you guys, and this is way so cool. Let me flip a page here. Seventy-sevens are also determined upon the people of Israel. That's an entirely separate prophecy. The church has been focused exclusively on the prophecy regarding the commandments to restore Jerusalem. And yes, those are benchmarks for the coming of Messiah because the scripture is very clear from the command to restore Jerusalem until the Messiah, the prince, comes. There should be 62 sevens and seven sevens. And so, yeah, you know, hugely important prophecy. I get that. I've studied this my whole life. What I'm here to tell you is, there's two prophecies contained in this section of Scripture. And the one that pertains to the people of Israel doesn't deal with the counting of the times from the commandments to restore the city. It deals with the number of jubilees the people of Israel would experience themselves. And so, you know, what, what exactly am I saying? I'm saying that seventy seven year or 70 Sabbath periods a compass of time of seven Sabbath years, which is 49 years followed by a jubilee. Israel would experience basically something similar to 3,500 years from the exodus to the visitation of their God and the end of the age. So how does that play out? Well, you know, first of all, there's no agreement among historians on exactly when the exodus occurred, all right? Some people say it was around 1450. Some people think it maybe was even later than 1500 BC. Quite a few scholars think it was like 1436. But anyway, around that 1450 window, most historical experts would say, yeah, the exodus was somewhere around the year 1450. Okay. Israel, after they left Egypt, was in the wilderness for 40 years. And then they engaged in a conquest of the land of Canaan, which uh, some cite as having taken approximately seven years. After which God gave the Jubilee to Israel. And the first Jubilee of Israel following their exodus was observed. Now, Let's just see, as a starting point, we'll use 1452 for the Exodus, which ties to Jesus' birth as being a Jubilee. It also ties to the restoration of the land of Israel in a Jubilee. And restoring land is one of the hallmarks of the Jubilee. The coming of Messiah is a hallmark of Jubilee. So that year sort of has two confirmations. And if 1452 is was the exodus from Egypt. The first jubilee of Israel would have been in 1402. Jesus himself would have been born on the 29th jubilee of Israel in the year 2 BC. That would make the year 49 the 30th jubilee. And, and the reason it's not 48 is we, we don't count a year zero going from BC to AD. So 2 BC, 50 years later is the year 49. Okay, circa forward, that would put the 68th Jubilee of this prophecy in 1949. And, you know, the first Jubilee that was given to Israel following the exodus and their freedom from slavery, following the conquest of the land of Canaan, it waited until the war of conquest was over and Israel was again at peace. And so 1949 would mark the end of the War of Independence. Israel declared statehood in 48. The land was partitioned by the UN in 47. A, a war of independence began immediately on May 14, didn't end until March of 1949. That would make 1949 the, the year of Jubilee. If that's correct, then 1999 would be the 69th Jubilee of Israel, the year in which I was privileged to go speak about the day of the Lord, and I met Frank. Frank, we would have met in a year of Jubilee. Pretty cool. What would be left? Yeah, amen. What would be left in the prophecies, the 70th Jubilee of Israel. Now, here's where it gets interesting. The Jubilee cycle is 50 years. Some people get confused and think you only count 49, and the the Jubilee of one year is the first year of, of the next Jubilee cycle, and You know, I don't want to get into the details of that, but that's just, uh, that's incorrect. Even as the 50th day of the Feast of Weeks is Pentecost and it's a whole separate day. And so each of these Sabbath cycles begin anew. Israel was commanded to sow the land for six years and on the seventh year, the land would be fallow. The Jubilee was also a year in which no uh, planting or agricultural work was permitted. And so the 50th year, is not the first year of the next planting cycle. It's a separate Jubilee year entirely. That would make 1999 a Jubilee year. And what what we're waiting for is the 70th Jubilee of Israel. Well, if the 70th Jubilee occurs 50 years later, then folks, we have to wait to 2049. And the scripture is very clear. In the book of Isaiah, the prophet says, The day of vengeance is in my heart and the year of my redeemed has come. The year of redemption is the year of Jubilee. It's when all property that's been foreclosed is redeemed and restored. And so the the testimony of the prophecy is the day of vengeance is the next thing on God's agenda. But he waits to execute his vengeance until the redemption of his people in the year of Jubilee. Well... If the final Jubilee, the 70th Jubilee, is an is again a 50-year cycle from the last one. We're waiting until 2049. That would mean that World War II is 26 years from now. Okay. That's not correct. I don't believe that for a moment. And, you know, so what proof do I have? Well, let's talk about the final 70th Jubilee of Israel. 77s, right? 70. 70- Seven years, Sabbath cycles, decreed upon Israel. But what does the number seven represent anyway, right? Well, what there's seven days. What's the seventh day? Sabbath day. Seven years, what's the seventh year? The Sabbath year. What does the number seven itself represent symbolically? God's perfection. God's work finished, completion. The perfection of God having been attained. And what's the number 10 represent? Completion. We're finished counting. So 70 is the completion of God's perfect work. This is my thesis. The 70th Jubilee is spiritual. It's a Jubilee for the Lord. It may be Israel's 70th Jubilee, but God gets the redemption of his people unto himself people of Israel, the people of God, have their yoke of slavery broken. Everything that Satan has stolen is returned and restored. And the slaves are set free and returned to their original owner, which is the Lord. Hallelujah. And so, the 70th Jubilee is not 50 years from the last Jubilee. Rather, it's 25 And so 25 years from 1999 would be the year 2024. And then the only question is, does that jubilee begin on the night of Yom Kippur tonight? Or do we wait for the high holy days of the spring in Nissan of next year? And, you know, it's very fascinating. Nissan won in 2024 is April 9th on our calendar. and on April eighth of our calendar, we're going to have an eclipse in the sky over the over the nations. And in that eclipse, let me just pull up a photo so I get this exactly right for you guys. On April eighth of next year, the day before New Year's Day. There's an eclipse in which the sun is eclipsed by the moon exactly over the band or the chain that ties the two fish who are snared. They're tied by their tail fins to the sea beast, Leviathan. That's the bondage of sin in the house of the Lord, in God's people. This eclipse is literally going to break those chains. And at the same time, Venus is literally at the tail of Leviathan, the sea beast. So Babylon has turned into the beast. We're seeing that right before our eyes right now. And at the same time as the eclipse, the planets Saturn and Mars are in conjunction in Aquarius, being poured out on the Earth. Saturn represents Satan. Mars represents war or wrath. And so here's Satan. We have a picture of Satan being cast down onto the earth with great wrath. And again, in the same time in the constellation of the bull, which represents the unstoppable will of God, we have the planet Uranus and Jupiter in conjunction. Uranus represents the unseen plan of God, the secret things of God. And Jupiter is the king planet. So, so the picture... For this eclipse that's going to take place next April 8th, the day before the New Year's Day, is a picture of God breaking the bondages of sin, casting Satan down, and bringing bringing to pass on the earth that which he purposed in eternity past, the secret plan of God finally now being revealed upon the earth. And, And then the next day is nissan one on the spiritual calendar this october we're going to also have an eclipse on the 14th day of october in what is that about three weeks from now there's going to be an eclipse in the left hand of the woman virgo the virgin and the sun and the moon are going to be eclipsed over the sheath of barley corn, she's holding her hand in conjunction with Mercury, the Word of God, and Mars, war. At the same time, Venus is under the feet of the Lion of Judah. The Lord's coming forth to trample Babylon. And the 144,000 who are the barley corn, the hand of barley, the hand of, full of corn lifted up on the mountains, We're going to bring forth the word of God. They're going to manifest it in the fullness of its power. They're also coming to make war for the Lord upon the earth. They're pictured in the eclipse. that will take place in three weeks. And what's amazing is that eclipse leaves the continental United States over the city of Corpus Christi, Texas. It starts in near Oregon, cuts a swatch across the U.S., Leaves the United States over Corpus Christi, Texas. The sun turns black at high noon. An exact fulfillment of Amos 8, verse 9. And on that day, I will turn the sun dark as night at noon. That occurs precisely. That prophecy is fulfilled on October 14th, 2023, over the city of Corpus Christi, Texas. And that same eclipse then comes down, cuts a swatch across Central America. Panama, then enters South America, goes across the nations, leaves South America over the nation of Brazil, again, exiting over a city named after the cross, Nouveau-Cruz. So the same eclipse on this very date exits both North and South America, blacking out the light over cities named after the cross. How fast is the judgment coming? Is it this fall? Is it next spring? We're going to find out in a matter of a few days. You know, if things hold together through October 14th, then I would say 2024 is the year of the Great War. And if not, well, then we'll see it sooner. So, you know, know, here we are on Yom Kippur. Hallelujah. Go ahead, Frank. No, um, folks... It, it, we've
0: talked we're Benjamin and I were talking off air. Look, there's a little bit of things in times and you know, and but don't get hung up on that. Get hung up right now on time with your God. It's precious, it's short, and it needs to be taken seriously. You you'll yes. never you'll you'll never get to the end of your life and you'll say, you'll never say, oh, man, I spent too much time with God. You can get to the end of your life and be filled full of regret, wishing that you had spent more time. Don't be like that. Take advantage. The warning's been out there. We know what to do. It's clear by now. We need to seek the Lord, prepare for His return, and enjoy the knowledge of knowing that we've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And I just pray this Yom Kippur would be a reminder of the price and the atonement that was made, because that you were worth it, that Jesus would lay down His life to pay the price that we should have paid, but were unable to, in our own flesh was impure, our sacrifice was not good enough, but His is, and I want to encourage you in the knowledge of that moving forward, that your God will do whatever it takes to keep us all the way to the very end brother. Thank you for this uh, very uh, provoking and interesting and um, challenging times um, tonight in this program, brother. Thank you for, thank you for writing the book. I guess, thank you God for having brother Benjamin, write The day of the Lord is at hand. Had I never read that book. I probably be dead by now. I've been told that by people that know me, they thought for sure I'd be dead. Um, so praise God for your brother. Thank you so much for our friendship through all the years.
1: Amen. It's been, a, it's been a blessing, Frank, to be in your life as well. And, you know, look, look what awesome things God has done. Hey, before we end, I just want to read a excerpt from the search, the Scriptures series. Yes. This is from volume three, the red shall return. And this is the chapter Return to Zion, the long road home. And this is a little section about the history of the restoration of the people of Israel back to the land. And this part deals with Yom Kippur following the Great War, World War II. So let me just read this. Following the end of the war in October of 1945, on the Day of Atonement, 5,000 Jews from various concentration camps gathered together for their first Yom Kippur in freedom. They gathered for a solemn assembly as commanded by the Lord. They came to pray, came to repent. As one observer said, the intensity of the prayers in that service was something I shall never forget. Mothers wailing, crying for their children that were gone, who'd been murdered by the Nazis, young and old alike each mourning the loss of a child or a parent, a brother or a sister, everyone wailing and weeping, for everyone had lost someone. It was as if only mourners had been invited to attend that Yom Kippur service in 1945. You know, here we are 78 years later. You know, can we even weep for our own sin? Can we weep for our family members that are going to be killed in the next year or two? Can we weep for a nation that's about to be incinerated? You know, you want to talk about just some of the news. It's unbelievable, Frank, what's literally happening right now. I mean, Russia has been hit with a massive explosion tonight. The city of St. Petersburg is completely blacked out. And, you know, we, the NATO forces are really accelerating their attacks. You know, and if you look at, Just yesterday, there was a burst of activity in the middle of the night. Hundreds of thousands of Russian troops, 360,000 Russian reserve troops were mobilized. After midnight, they all began rushing to their bases and moving. So, you know, we're, we're getting close, folks, to the world changing forever in an hour. Now, is that hour a matter of a few weeks from now, or do we have to wait a few more months? In any event, we better not wait for the solemn assemblies. We better not wait, you know, and find ourselves waiting to find time to seek the Lord, because otherwise we may be people who end up in that Absolutely. young or service where everybody's wailing and yeah, and weeping for the losses that have occurred, yeah. because unto the Jew first, and then unto the Gentiles, and. Brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you that time of the Gentiles has come.
0: Absolutely. Folks, they went in, they went to bed one night in ancient Babylon under one ruler and they woke up under another. Just like that. Just like that. Don't think that these, these things happened aforetime so that we would see them and know and understand. They were pro they were prophetic events for us to remind that are in mystery Babylon, that in one hour. This place is going to change. It's going to change. Brother, thank you so much. God bless you for coming on. Folks, may your Yom Kippur be blessed with the knowledge of your Savior and his redeeming blood that not only paid the price, but atoned and set back things into harmony. And he's coming back soon to take us to be with him forever. God bless each one of you. This is Brother Frank and Brother Benjamin on the Remnant Call, saying to everybody, good night and shalom. Lord Trumpet in Zion, for the day of the Lord is come. Lord, trumpet in Zion.